0: My guest this week is Mike Fallick. Mike is a documentarian. He's also a comedian. He's a great guy. He tells us about the documentaries he's been making, and I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Please check me out on Instagram, at NoorKidY. Also, we're part of the Comedy Here Often Podcast Network on 604 Records, so check that out too. Please like and subscribe to the podcast, and let's get into this week's episode. My guest this week, Mike phallic all right welcome to another episode of god yay or nay i'm here with mike Fallock. mike thank you for joining me
1: you're welcome i had to adjust my microphone again hold on hold on everyone
0: it's fine (laughs)
1: it's fine he can edit we all know how to edit okay what's up what's this yes hi
0: Hey, buddy. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Matt. I'm uh, looking forward to this podcast. Uh, One thing I I really was looking forward to, you come from a background, like pretty much identical to mine and improv and stand up. And then you got uh, into be uh, making all these documentaries, which uh, I was watching on your website. They're like really cool. Um, Thank Maybe, maybe give my audience just like a little bit of your background, uh, where you're from and like how you got into like making these documentaries.
1: I'm from New Jersey. Um, I grew up in the shadow of the New York stand-up scene. I started doing stand-up fairly young, um, kind of felt the the format was a little uh, I could do more than just that format, um, so kind of went to film school, went to NYU film school, um, and I make this is a really dry description of me. Here's what the deal is: I like Crocodile Hunter, and I liked. Uh, 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 Dane Cook, get off my back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good
1: stand-up, you know, um, and I I liked all the others. I've watched more stand-up than anybody else in the world, um, probably. But like, I wanted to do, I, I sort of wanted to make things that were cool and, and make filmmaking. And I liked animation, went to film school, combined comedy, animation, and documentary and pet stuff. I made some documentaries about pets. I made some documentaries about more pets and I made some documentaries about dieting and now I'm making a documentary looking into a cult but the big thing I'm passionate about is actually using comedy because there's this really horrible kind of exhibitionism with cults where these people are victims but we kind of are only interested when it's really scandalous and we don't educate people about why they really got there we you know it's kind of like showing up to a murder scene to teach someone how to like clean, small stains out of soccer jerseys. So it's like, how do you get the dirt out of your soccer jersey? Here's how we get the whole body of blood out of a carpet. It's not really the right time to learn that skill. The time to learn that skill is in a minor way. And so we've been trying to make this a more approachable topic about cults to show that cults are on a spectrum. Um, And the cult that we went into right now is called MGTOW. And we just had a mini series on Rizzle that's coming out like right now. As people are hearing this i think yeah um and it's a uh, i'm trying to make get rid of the ivory tower of of documentaries and really make them approachable and kind of fall in the line of Penn and teller and alton brown and people that weren't so self-serious but with serious issues
0: yeah and i, I love that yeah that's actually a great way to not too self-serious but serious issues and i love that comedy I think it's a great way to approach any kind of serious issues because like it t- p- puts down people's like uh, defense systems because they're laughing and then they can actually like absorb a lot of different information. So like, I, I do love uh, how you said that.
1: And I'll add to that. Cause it's interesting. You say that by putting defenses down, there are these people that want to talk about serious things and you know, when they're serious, you need to have reverence. But when you want to teach people something, it's like everyone forgets what it was like to be in a kid, to be a kid and learn in school and how resistant you are to boring subject matter and boring presentation think about every conversation you've wanted to stay in have you wanted to stay in conversations where it was really serious and scary or someone was angry at you or have you wanted to stay in funny conversations that's like my whole philosophy is like people want to hang around if you're funny and there's this resistance to it in serious issues and it's like we can't be funny and like not and be light about something that's like i'll give you an example we have a trigger warning at the beginning of my podcast about this cult now for some people that's going to be the only thing that they hear because it's a trigger warning they're going to have to turn off the program and so our trigger warning is funny because there are people out there who they're going to hear the subject we're talking about they're going to go click so we try and make that trigger warning a funny experience because for the people who are victims who are actually triggered that's going to be the only content they get of the day of the experiencing my show they're going to have to hear it and say this i can't do this i've got to turn this off so, so it's little things like that that i'm passionate about
0: mm-hmm. hey man i uh, know i like that and so why why the interest in cults what uh, made you want to go into this uh, thing And uh, maybe like, yeah, actually, I'll ask you uh, to define what hashtag cult is afterwards, but why the interest in cults first?
1: Yeah, if you listen to the podcast, which is hashtag cult, or if you watch the series on Rizzle, I had a friend who was in this group, and he got sucked into this group
0: called MGTOW. And I thought- And MGTOW is uh, men going their own way, right?
1: Yeah. And it's a cult. Um, I can say that now. I, the reason I got into it was I heard all these things that my friend was saying. And I said, this sounds like a cult, but I thought I knew how cults work. How is this working? And so I said, I put this interview out there. I I said, this is an intervention for you being in a cult essentially. And I brought cult experts in and they explained how it worked. They explained that to me, I just wanted to prove this was a cult to try and save people from this. But then as I learned more, I was like this cult stuff is everywhere. And we draw this line in the sand of this isn't a cult or this isn't a cult and it's not helpful. It's kind of like saying, well, I'm stalking you, but I'm not a stalker. It's not really a helpful metaphor. It's like, well, you're doing everything that's stalking me. The relationship between, you know, my partner was in a severely coercive relationship, which is another word for cultic relationship. And and we would watch cult stuff and she would be like, that's me. That's how I was dragged into this and then to talk to experts and then be like yeah yeah that's exactly how it works it's the same exact mechanisms to then ask people if you ask people about cults like hey did you ever have a relationship where this thing happened or you were kind of sucked in and you describe what a cult is to someone you start your mind starts getting blown because you're like everyone answers yes Mm. almost everyone has something that they're like yeah that was weird and it's not about you know hailing aliens from from outer space or all those sort of things (laughs) It's about one-on-one relationships that coerce you into an us versus them, an isolated mentality. We call it, our definition of cult is unbridled control of another person. And when you start to hear that definition, and that's, you know, this isn't just me. I don't want to, I always hate when journalists come on stuff and they're like, I made a movie about it, so now I'm an expert. No, I talked to PhDs, people who dedicated their whole lives to this um, and this is where I'm, I'm trying to pass the story on, it, it starts to be like, wow, this is minor stuff that happens every day. Who is trying to control me? Was this, was this ex trying to, to control everything I do? Was this abusive relationship trying to, was my workplace trying to get me to do that? Was this friend that was using me for certain stuff trying to do that? Was my gym, I talked about on the show, my experience with a yoga cult. Unbridled control of another person, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's every, I, I thrive on these things that are everywhere, but no one's understanding or talking about them.
0: Yeah. Okay. This is great, man. Um, so yeah. And I like how you said the us versus them like mindset, because that's something we're just like seeing so much these days. Like, and you're right. It's like unbridled control over something. How like that mindset, how much control can you get over somebody's mind when you give them that kind of mindset? Because it puts them in that fear state, right?
1: I have a question for you when you, now that you pointed out us versus them, because we both have done stand up, both live in that world. One of the issues that come up is like, oh, I'm a comedian, the us versus them, of I'm a comedian who doesn't say certain things, and I'm a comedian who does say certain things. And I feel like there's this idea of like, where's the togetherness of like just comedians who disagree? being together i feel like that's like a big one in comedy and you know
0: what i i think most comedians disagree and most comedians aren't on any of that side they just want to do comedy and like you know like i I, man i see it like because i moved to toronto a few years back and Mm -hmm. uh you know when you come into a new city it's like a big city it has like a pretty damn big scene And, like, you know, I'm kind of an outsider. And, like, for me, I'm, like, I just want to go to every show. I just want to, like, perform. I love performing. I don't care who I'm performing with. It's nice to perform for different audiences. But then you do see there's this us versus them culture where there's just, like, different sides who are just, like, um, no, this is the only type of comedy we do. And, like, you know, those people want to censor us or those people want to... or those people are too like hardcore or edgy or racist yeah. or whatever, you know, and everybody gets this, like, you know, it's only two sides you have to be on where it's just like, Hey, like, I don't know. For me, I was just like, I, I just wanted to be in the middle and perform. And yeah, it didn't bother me too much.
1: Well, it's, it's tough too. Right. Cause there are some comedians who are like just spreading hate and they just call themselves comedians. Right. Mm-hmm. But you've, but, but at the same time, you should be trying to find, in my opinion, I don't know. I want to bounce this off you. I always felt like you should be trying to find the people you disagree with the most that you can have a civil conversation with.
0: I love know? that. Yeah, no, and I agree that, with that completely. That's where comedy's
1: from. You mm-hmm. talk about school hating school. The reason the class clown works and any idiot can be a class clown is because you are in the school. The teacher's not going to hit you, and they're not going to shoot you. So. It makes for a great scene to disagree with the teacher who your disagreement is they're boring and agree with the students who also agree that they're boring and the teacher has to cooperate with you. It's the reason that the class clown model does work for many years before it becomes annoying is because it's like a togetherness where we disagree, but we are cooperating in our disagreement, you know?
0: Yeah. And also it kind of takes away the whole power of comedy because like like you just said, that's kind of the power of comedy is to be able to see an idea that you really dislike and be able to be like, Hey, I'm going to freaking prove that idea wrong in like a funny way. And like you immediately get the whole audience on your side for if you can make them laugh and prove that idea wrong at the same time, you immediately get the whole audience on your side. And it's like, that's where the power of comedy comes into. So like the whole idea of like, I just don't want to be around those people like that whole idea I've I've always like just didn't I didn't like it but you're right like all the people in the middle we're silent we don't talk about this that much we might we talk about it when we're having a beer after the show like like why the fuck is everybody so goddamn like angry at each other like I just want to perform and like isn't comedy about like that but like we don't talk about it like online or like you know we don't because you know like I I guess there's that fear of like um, getting backlash from anybody. It can come from any side or anything. Right. It's,
1: it's interesting. Todd Glass said almost the same thing. He was like, when we interviewed him about this subject, he said, you know, the majority of comedians that don't speak up against either some behavior that's over the line or Todd Glass is very much for not saying of slurs, which I think is pretty basic human (laughs) uh, uh, conscientiousness, but more speaking about comedy in general, he was saying, people don't speak up in the world of comedy because they wanna be liked. And it's this thing where that's, we're losing, I feel, some of the comedy in it. We're losing some of the, we're on different sides where it's okay to be on different sides. And uh, it's it's tough there. And I think it's being ruined by people who spread
0: legitimate hate and call it comedy. And well, like the legitimate hate thing, the one thing I'm starting to, I see in this like whole culture that's kind of like happening right now is like, you know, they have this whole idea of like cancel culture and like, you know, I think that's kind of like an overblown idea. Right. But like, you know, people start saying like, oh no, we were, we're getting cancelled and like, you know, and like now all of a sudden this has become a way to like launch your career. I actually made a bit about this just a little while ago, but like now do I it. see all these shitty let's like buy, let's Byron Allen it do the bit. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to look up the jokes, my bad. Oh. But like um, honestly, like uh, how many comedians do you see like now that are like especially like who are just not very good comedians, they're trying to launch their career. By trying to get canceled by just saying the most hateful <laughs> shit online. You know, it's yes. like you're just like you're trying to like, like rather than trying to get funnier, rather than trying to get deeper ideas, rather than like growing as, as an artist, you're trying to say the most shocking shit just so you get a backlash, just so you can claim the victim at that backlash. So you can wow. hopefully get um, you know, hopefully get that cancel culture, whatever that uh the audience is out there. There is a demographic for it out there, you know?
1: Well, that was, so we can get into what a hashtag cult is now that I, now I feel like I'm running your show, but I think that before you and I, cause like standups and people in comedy can talk about comedy forever, but I mean, maybe people enjoy it, but if I I would love to talk about this in in the context of a hashtag cult, do you mind if I, if I do? And
0: yeah, and please explain to my audience what a hashtag cult is. So they understand hashtag cults are groups that hide in plain
1: sight on the internet here's how it works. Instead of saying, this is our website and we believe X, Y, Z, this is our organization and we believe X, Y, Z. The group primarily exists in the use of code words, such as hashtags, such as searchable terms that allow them to talk about their subject matter on lots of platforms and not get attention for how hateful or how controversial or how, you know,
0: bad it is bad bad shit crazy i think you were trying to say that's the <laughs> clinical term that the doctors told me so <laughs>
1: they they do this by hiding in a in a hashtag and then it makes it so that you can be on your instagram you know go to a facebook group this is the thing that i i did recently because i don't really like facebook and so i don't use it that much but um not for any I just don't like the look of it. it looks cheap. it looks like a it looks like a newspaper. I don't know. It just puts me on edge. It, re- it looks like a rat- it looks like the digital version of like those weird free magazines and newspapers you would see in like small towns and like, <laughs> yeah,
0: actually don't, I I see what you're saying.
1: So go into a Facebook a big Facebook group of like artists or people that make stuff or whatever and search MGTOW. you'll find someone you'll find someone who's in there who's trying to find other people and and it makes it a scary place to be on the internet. MGTOW is an offshoot of um, what we call red pill cults, which are people that believe women are inherently controlling society and inherently evil. Um, And we call them cults. We're the first documentary to an investigation really to bring cult experts to this group and say, hey, here's this group they kind of parade around saying that they're this hashtag and they have believe these certain things is, is as a cult. And what they do is they'll post a video with, with a, a cell phone alert in it and they'll look really unprofessional. Um, <laughs> they, they'll post a video in the video in the tag and the title, it'll say MGTOW then the comments section become a MGTOW forum. And so now, not knowing this is a place to go, it might not even have hateful language in the title. It may have very innocuous language. The comments become a forum for MGTOWs to get out their rage, to coerce others, to convince others to do what cults do, yell at others for being thinking different than them to make themselves feel safe. In the case of MGTOW, they say these horrible things about women. They say these horrible things about male mental health and male suicide um, and they male suicide as if it's like a different than female suicide but like um, they say these horrible things about suicide and they attribute it to women Um, and it's a way of hiding a hashtag and there's lots of hashtag cults actually in the podcast we talked about anti-vaxxers they're one of the original hashtag cults Um, and proposing this model Is really like when I said this that you can hide a cult in a hashtag. We found lots of people. There was a a friend of mine who works at March for Science, and she was like the anti-vaxxers work exactly the same way. Um, We talked to someone who was from who did an investigation, a scholarly paper on a mud fossil university, who simply believed that they find fossils um, and that they prove that there were. Um, I'm going to make fun of the cult a little. They, they, they prove that they are there are robots in the Bible, I think. Uh, is one of the things that they
0: believe. Hey, that sounds like a much cooler Bible than I'm used to. <laughs>
1: you know, where are the dragons and robots in my Bible? Um, <laughs> so th- this model exists. Of course, QAnon, it, people brought it up. I, but I don't talk about things I haven't investigated. I don't really know too much about QAnon, not because it's the information isn't out there. I believe in pure journalism and I only learn it if it comes into the investigation if I bring it into the investigation so that's one that's been attributed to it you know that grew only using a hashtag um, and people would say that to me as I was making up that term um, this was you know a year or so ago uh, two years I think now but that's that's what a hashtag cult is is it just uses a hashtag it's really simple and once you start to learn them and once you start to learn their terms you then see the indoctrination because MGTOW is the big hashtag, but then there's #awalt. all women are like that. And all these different blue pill, red pill, all these different things that over time you start at one topic, but get indoctrinated through terms to Google and things to get you all the way in, further into the cult. So that, that's, the, I think that basically describes what a hashtag cult is.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And uh, yeah, so a hashtag, like, I, I guess I see this and like the reason they use hashtags you're saying is because like, this is the way to kind of uh, hide them, right? Like you're not out in plain sight because if you're out in plain sight, that's where you get the scrutiny and like, you might even get like actual, like shut down or something. If you're like actually breaking all those rules, is that kind of what you're saying? Totally.
1: And additionally, cults are based on secrecy. Cults are always based on secrecy. Um, It's it's not secrecy maybe the way that you might think of cults in a movie. Like, you know, oh, like we have an underground bunker and that's where we keep the monkey's paw that controls the moon. Like, it's more (laughs) like, it's more like isolation. That's how cults get, because you can't believe something that's so ridiculous. Like women are genetically predisposed to steal money if you're not isolated from people. From people that know women from women so you can't believe that you know you can jump on the hail bob comet if you are not isolated from people that don't think something like that so there's two folds of it you want to be isolated you don't want the attention so that and the experts talk about this at length in, in the things that we've made it, it allows a manipulator to uh, at the end of it. You can list a million reasons as to why that's beneficial to a cult, but isolation and secrecy make you feel righteous. They make you feel like people don't know about our quest. And of course they reject us whenever we come out to the world, because if we were to tell people about this, oh, they'd never believe you. They'd reject you. Um, it makes them feel like important and, and um, self-important and holier than thou. Cause it's like, not everyone knows about this, but all these things add up and there's a million ways cults use them to make you easier for an, for a manipulator to go, yeah, I will coerce you and you'll stay in here. There's less outside influence. And, and that's, that's really all this stuff is. So it was worked for MGTOW. MGTOW comes from red pill and incels, which is an idea start as is known. Now incel was started by a, a female comedian as a joke and it's become a, it was it started
0: by a female comedian as a joke.
1: She was talking about her, her life, her dating life uh, to say, you know, oh, I I made up this term. It's it's Googleable.
0: Like uh, <laughs> involuntary celibate, is that what it was?
1: Yes. So the idea is from there that was that word was kind of co-opted by lots of different people to red pill cults, which red pill was the first movement off of that because people started to learn that in cell were these very angry very misogynistic, hateful people. And to this day, we talk about MGTOW, which is a totally different cult than incel, which is totally a, a, a separate entity on the internet. They have infighting. They actually make fun of incel. They use incels to prove that their thing is better. Um, there's this whole world of the cults fighting against each other. Still to this day, when we say MGTOW, incel will get the higher, the higher thing. And if incel isn't written on their forums, and if they say we hate incel, boom you've got a new word people don't think you're the bad guys you're allowed to exist you can say you know we're not this organization we're we're some other organization and it looks like it's different but it's not and that's that's it's been working it works time and time again migtel gets if you look it up migtel gets mentioned christopher hassan who we talked about was on migtel forums constantly and was a coast guard who was doing tram doll and you know stockpiling weapons and uh ammo and customizing silencers illegally he was on mgtow it gets dropped down it turns into men's rights it turns into these things every time you say incel instead of mgtow every time you say men's rights instead of red pill you're not giving the victims of these individual cults their day you're not letting the victims feel like this happened to me it's a little bit like saying abuse rather than you know dave was abused by gary it's a little bit like saying Dave comes to you and says, Gary's hitting me and I, I can't leave. I love him. I'm scared. And you go and you start talking about abuse. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm talking about Gary. Okay. Like we can talk about that situation. And so it's worked. It's worked to hide them as a hashtag.
0: People yeah. Don't
1: see it as objectively a cult anymore.
0: So, like, um... I, I guess like the way you were talking about like uh, cults and like this us versus them mindset. So this MGTOW movement, obviously, like the us versus them is kind of like a very sexist ideology against women. So that's the them kind of thing. Yeah. And like, yeah, so like. gynocracy Yeah. So like you, you basically were saying like um, the reason you decided to investigate this cult in particular was kind of because your friend um, was kind of a part of it. And then you started noticing like changes in your friend. So, can you kind of tell me, like, what kind of stuff was your friend starting to say that made you go, like, hey, like, are your alarm bells started going off? Like, hey, this is a little weird. Yeah. Um, firstly,
1: the first thing that happened was the, 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 I didn't notice the cultish behavior initially. I noticed the anger, the, 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 the frustration with the world in a way that, that made no sense. You know, comedians are often frustrated with the world. So that line between, um, you know, when other people have that, that line between I'm just frustrated and making a joke as a comic, I'm often like, oh, like they're, they're joking. You know what I mean? So when I hear people kind of really getting frustrated, at first I can kind of laugh it off. And so that went on a lot longer than I think even I realized, because I'm a comic. I think someone's doing their little bit for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I didn't think for a while, like, oh yeah, it's just a friend of mine. He knows I'm a comedian. He knows I'll let him do a little rant. Um, over time, it became real anger towards things that was not going on, you know, and real anger towards things. that was like, this is not as big of a deal. And it started interfering with our plans and it started becoming They wouldn't do plans with me. They would make plans and get angry at me for for, for being nice a lot of times, for being kind. Um, What started to come up was ideas like hearing conversations between men and women and deciding that the man was manipulated, feeling all these ways about dating, and that's slowly becoming more and more of a thing and kind of not knowing about this cult made me think I could give my friend advice on dating. Made me think I could say, "Hey, you know what's going what's going on with the with the situation?" He's obviously straight. The majority of or identifies as uh, cis heterosexual, although that's kind of a, a point of the documentary we make that perhaps that's one of the issues. Um, the, so I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm straight. Talk to me about girl problems. We can we can talk about this. And I think that I'm calming my friend down and then over time it became more and more and more over time it became anger at me for you know wanting to interact with him it became anger about these issues it wasn't it was now very far from even a conceivable funny
0: rant you know um yeah it went from being funny to like just him like anger at the world kind of thing i think if i knew about this cult
1: i would have never seen it as funny i think perhaps I only saw it as funny because of my background in comedy mm. and that I didn't know about this group. And so once it started to become offensive and hateful in a way that, well, you know, let me just say this too. Hate is not what cults are about. They use hate, but like the hatefulness, I hate pepper on tables. I hate ground pepper on tables. I do. I'd have no problem with it being launched into the sun. I genuinely hate it. Hate can be funny. I think it was hate in a way that was, that was illogical that we all don't like. And it was like, you know, it became something ununderstandable. It became bigotry. It went from funny, like, Oh, my dating life sucks to, which I never think it was to, uh. you know, I then saw it as like, hold on. And then the pieces start to click and you go, that was only funny because I laughed at it. Uh, <laughs> that rant that he made a year ago, that wasn't that funny. That was only funny. Cause I was like, Hmm. Uh, It starts to click in and then it just straight up to not wanting to hang around me because I date women because Mm -hmm. I believe in heterosexual monogamy, not
0: even believe I engage in it. I went uh, that far because you engage in it. Like you're actually seen as an outsider now.
1: Totally. The whole world is an outsider and everything that I do is trying to drag him away from it, which of course it is because he was horrible to hang around.
0: And it was, I well, yeah, that that was that's revenge. a big, yeah, that's a big point. You know what, this is like everything you're just talking about there. What it kind of reminds me of, is like um, a lot of uh, people I've seen. Like I, I kind of see a parallel between that and like how people talk about immigration, because like at first, like people are talking about immigration and like, um, you know, there, there should be problems with immigration or legitimate conversations. We should be able to have about it. Don't get me wrong. It's not all like, one side or the other but like when you see people get onto this like angry path about immigration it slowly like spirals into them blaming every problem they have on immigrants and you're just like how do you even come to this conclusion like I know what you're saying like it gets to the point where it's so delusional and like you're just so far from reality that you're just kind of sitting there and like the other thing is that anger like, you don't want to be around an angry person complaining about immigrants, especially that my dad immigrated to this country. I'm just kind of like, hey, buddy. <laughs>
1: my grandparents, too. Look, if you're not like every, the whole, most of the country is, is, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that what it becomes is that's a really, the thing that was really screwing us up. And we have to say this every single time is use whatever issue you want. But we call it the, long-ish, the long leash of misogyny. We talk about it on the podcast a lot. I talk about it. This is my drum. I never stop beating on. Um, the long leash of misogyny is we live in a culture where oh, we live in a culture. What a D-bag I sound like. We, uh, <laughs> we, okay. Men are allowed to be as much pigs as they want, pretty much. And we accept it as, well, boys will be boys. I guess they think I should just be doing things that women do. And so we let them do that for a while. So it actually isn't because we can't do anything about it. So when someone starts to say things like women are genetically predisposed to steal money from men, it's not that much different than some misogynistic bullshit you heard from some dude at the office like a week ago. So take any issue, why this gets confusing and what hashtag cults are great at is you take any issue where there's a hashtag cult present and you find a lot of tolerance towards bullshit towards horrible meanness. So it's like it, it It's like immigration, well, we just allow people to talk about different races all the time. So is it so weird when all of a sudden they start shouting about how people are ruining this country? No, now, because we're so used to letting them go just a little bit, but I'll say this too, to an easier point to understand for me, not to you, I'm sure you understand everything. I'm not, Mm. I have a, I have an art degree. It's not like I didn't have to read, Um, (laughs) The the, The easier point to me to understand is cults can be about anything and scapegoating, which is a big function of cults happens everywhere. You take, and we've all had this, the, the, you know, Shakespeare, the lady doth protest too much. Mm. What is this really about? Are you really this upset about it? You know, and for somebody coming from comedy, you know, I love Lewis black and some of what Sam Kinison said, I love that idea of anger being funny. Certainly, Sam Kinison did that in his performance. Well, yeah, he said some not so great things about women too, but he, but that anger was something that he really made great. It's not about the anger; it's about the fact that, like you said, what is what is this actually about? And it can be about anything, but it's never about that thing.
0: Yeah, and uh, thing. no, and uh, like. With immigration, it's easy to see like that's for political power. That's why people are spreading these ideas. But like with this MGTOW cult thing that you're talking about, I, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know much about it, but like even now with, like, would you explain it? I'm trying to figure out what's the, like, what is like, is there people pulling the strings on there? Is there some sort of power they're trying to get? Or is it just oh, like people? I'd,
1: I'd push against what you just said from my experience. If someone is acting this way, it is not for political power.
0: Yeah. When someone, no, acts,
1: it's, when someone acts the way you're talking about immigration, it's not for political
0: No, power. I'm talking about the people who spread the ideas. Like I get the victim, like the guy yeah, who yeah. has that, like I get, he's not doing it for political power. I'm talking about the people at the top who spread those ideas are, are like where those are ideas originate from. They, they're doing it to like for political power because then they can go like, Hey, like I'm anti-immigrant, like vote for me or something sure, like that.
1: Some, some of them. But if they're caught up in this cult mentality, you don't know whether or not someone is, everyone is human, people with power are human. And so if someone is saying all these vitriol and it's not really about the issue and it's not all these things, but they have power, well, they could still be in the cult as well. They could still be in a cult mentality. They could still have issues at home in their personal life that they're scapegoating in order to feel good. So you can't assume with any of these groups that some, some are you know doing it for real reasons and some are not. Coercive relationships, uh, uh, scapegoating emotions, these are things that just happen for personal emotional reasons. Now we can connect the dots and think all these different things and it's not to dis- discourage saying people with power are often trying to manipulate people, but it's, it's more to say, that's a cult. Didn't I just describe a cult? People with power manipulating people. Mm. You, you are wanting to see how far, when you have control over people, you need to be self-evaluating. That's what I've learned from this. And being like, how much am I taking advantage of this person? In the case of, of MGTOW, it's fairly obvious. People come on these forums and say, I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm devastatingly heartbroken about this a breakup I just went through they're vulnerable and blatantly the person will say join our group and listen to me I'm your new master yeah in the case of other issues where it's on the cult spectrum you know a lot of cult people talk about MLMs which is a really easy way to understand it so like is the
0: multi-level person...
1: marketing yeah because is the person in charge doing it for money or are they doing it for power, or are they doing it for both? And that control over another person may be driving them more than money, because of course in MLMs, you don't make money. Hmm. So uh, can we say that there are evil people out there who will say anything to get political power? Sure, sure. But is that not on the, the cultic spectrum of what you're doing? Can we also say for sure that every person that supports them and votes for them isn't doing so to scapegoat their own emotions. Can we say that that person doesn't, isn't aware and conscious of it? I often, since we're on a show called God, nay or yay, um, I'll say I often, and you can tell me if I'm going on too long, by the way, I I am not so, speaking of cult leaders, interrupt at any moment. (laughs) Is the person who is in favor of that mentally sound? You don't know, is the person Who's saying it mentally sound? You don't know. And I like to explain it using evolution, which is that creatures don't decide I'm going to grow a longer beak. Creatures live and exist and mutate and the ones that die, they have the longer beak. The cult ideas that allow the, co- the abuser, the coercive one, the, the, the person needing to scapegoat emotion, needing to feel like they need to control people, the ideas that stick, those are the ones they keep with. So do uh, we know that they're, that they're even with it? Do we know that they know they're addicted to this power? That's for the cult experts I talk to to really explain. But the big thing I would say just about the whole statement and why I'm pushing back so hard, which sounds like an innocuous thing, is like every cult member, every cult leader is an individual, unique person that at one point was not in a cult. And something happened to them to get them into that cult. They're on the hook for all the bad crap they do. But at some point they were a good person who was coerced into this system by themselves, by actions in their own life, but we can't know until we talk to each individual one. I'm almost against the word cult as like a group because it's like they're all individual people and their stories are all different. And if we had a system of brainwashing that worked on every single person, oh, you bet everyone would do it. It would be weaponized because it doesn't work that way it's, it's not about the belief. It's not about where we can see power and opportunity. It's about someone, some one individual coerced another individual. That's how every single person enters a cult.
0: Mm. And I, I like how you were talking about like, how like trauma kind of like plays a role in this, like almost like you, when people are vulnerable, like something bad happens to you and you are vulnerable, like you've got to really keep your defenses up in those situations because somebody will tell you like, Hey, like blame this person or blame this group or something like that. And this is why this happened to you. And that can really set you in a spiral and not, and it also doesn't allow you to look inside yourself and ask like, why did these things happen? And really kind of try to like heal from that and really try to find that like uh, the real reason shit happens because like, you know, the fucking world is so complex. Like, shit happens for so many goddamn different reasons for somebody to come here and be like, Oh, you're in pain. Well, this is why it happened. And this was the people you should blame. Like this is when you need to keep your freaking defenses up and not take those simple answers. Right.
1: It's even scarier than what, by the way, I'm glad you said you like when I was talking cause I was very, very worried. Ha, 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 okay, ha, 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 ha. So it's even scarier with hashtag cults, because the levels of indoctrination with these groups, function online. So you search, I can't get a date with a woman. Well, then you're diverted to dating advice, which for sure, if you write it that way, is going to bring you to um, dating advice people, which is pickup artists, which was also a cult. We talked to a guy that was in that. Pickup artists and incels are kind of the start of this whole thing. And so now you're getting dating advice. Now, of course, the dating advice is bullshit. So <laughs> you be, why? Because it's not to you. It's not specific to your life. It's general maxims meant to get hits. So then you find in there someone being like, this guy's an idiot. It doesn't work. Well, now you're going to go to them. And who's that most likely going to be? Now you're going to be in the world of uh, alpha male ideas like John Sanmez, who's a guy we interviewed. Um, you're going to be in the world of people protesting against these pickup artists who may even be on my side, who may even be people saying like, pickup artists are manipulators, but they themselves might be lost in the woods. And then you might go to incels who say, give up on the whole system because it doesn't work at all. And then you're into Red Pill who says, there's political and monetary, like you're saying like, oh, the people at the top are doing it for power. Red Pill says that exact stuff. Women are doing this stuff to control the earth.
0: So now you're in Red Pill.
1: And now you probably then say, none of this is working for me. I'm going to go to MGTOW, which is men going their own way, which is the, one of the more recent iterations of this, but there are many, and there's schisms all the time in these cults. Um, but it's existed for about eight to 10 years, as far as we can tell. Um, we've talked to some of the people early on in doing this. And so you say, oh, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable and you get broken up with or a date goes bad or something bad happens and your phone, which is normally the source of information, gets twisted into this thing of here's, here's what you should do. It's, it's not even like back in the day with cults where you had to go find them or they had to find you. They had to strike and stalk. Literally, you are reaching to your pocket and boom, there's the, the manipulator waiting for you. They also dominate the internet, hashtag cults. When you are wanting to get it to scapegoat, from what we've seen, these people write like crazy. I've said this before. We've had videos with more comments than views. We have one video, the highest proportion was 300 comments and 100 views it, because they write like crazy. And so they downvote things that are against them and they upvote things that are in favor of them and they comment on their posts like, like a cult with cultish fervor, with fanatic vervor so they they have massive internet dominance. so if you say all women, I can't date women, they suck. Well, you're gonna get these groups that spend all day getting out their aggression by writing on the internet you' you're, the cards are stacked against you
0: in, in so this. like um, can I ask you then like uh how's your friend who originally got into this cult uh how, like how's he doing now, and also like when when you get like if because like honestly I've noticed a few of my friends like not MGTOW but like other kind of stuff where I'm just like like uh yeah even like like you were saying like anti-vax and shit like that but I've, I've noticed a few of my friends that are going down like some shitty places and I and I think it is because they're vulnerable and in like bad spots in their life like how do we get how do we like talk them out of this I don't even know is it talk them out of this how do we how do we even show them that, like, going down this place where you're just stuck in a spiral of anger is like a very unhealthy thing to do? It's interesting.
1: So, I talk to people about that exact question. Um, we talked to Rick Ross, who's a famous cult deprogrammer, and his process is interesting. He essentially says the program takes um, three whole days. Of, of, of time with him or whoever he's working with with this person if in the three whole days they can not leave you know stay with the program um and not contact anyone outside of it they have a pretty high success rate if they contact someone in the cult in those three days they have a 90 percent chance of going back into the cult one communication in those three days, you have a 90% chance of going back in. Um, we we talked to Rachel Bernstein about what she does for these people leaving it. Um, and to, to answer the question about why I bring up Rachel Bernstein in this instance, she's a therapist. She deals with people who are mostly out of leaving cults and need trauma. And they say, how do I get back to regular life? For me, the reason this was passionate was I had a line in the sand. I had a line in the sand that this person was now starting to really treat me horribly, affect my life in real ways. Um, And I said, this is an intervention. If you can get it together, then I'd love to still be friends with you. But he was the one pushing me away. And quite frankly, the reason that I chose to talk about cult prevention and make it a big part of this is there are gonna be, if you've never been around, I have OCD, I have lots of, I've known lots of people who have mental health things. If you haven't been around it in your life, something like a cult, something like trauma, something like addiction, there are people you can't help, not because they're unhelpable, but because it's not, it's, it's gonna, it's not up to you anymore. It's not up to you anymore to, to, to take care of them. And you're just going to have to say, I don't have the resources to take care of you anymore. And that was the line I drew. And I think that, That's a thing that people don't talk about with mental health and why mental health awareness, which is another BS thing (laughs) entirely. But uh, well, because like, what does it mean? But if prevention and awareness is really key in this, because that's going to be the key to giving them a soft place to land, a loving place to land. I'll tell you the number one thing that we heard about getting people out of this that Chris Shelton said, which is the thing that we say all the time. I was nice to MGTOWs. When they commented, I was one of the first people on the internet to say, why don't you tell me why you're in so much pain? Talk to me. What's going on? And that's hard to do. It's impossible probably for most women to do because it's scary. They say these horrible things about women and saying you're trying to manipulate them and that if you, you know, you're probably going to make a guy kill themselves and you're trying to steal babies and all these different things. It's horrible. Mm. But I was learning about cults and was able to say what's going on. And we had these conversations with people who we were loving towards like my friend that I did the intervention for, like these cold leaders, like these cold victims, you need to give people a soft place to land. Chris Shelton, who was in Scientology for many years, said, I asked, we got in a whole conversation in an interview about Twitter, um, this aggression people have on Twitter. I said, did any time somebody yelled at you, made some protest sign, was outside the center, to get you out, did that ever work to get you out of Scientology? He said, it forced me back in. And we talked to other cult experts who said, every time I was confronted on what the thing believed, every time the cult experts would say, you confront someone on what they believe, just on that and confront them in this way, like they're wrong and they're stupid. It reinforces their righteousness. It makes them think, of course you don't get it. I, I, I'm, I'm doing this amazing thing. You know, The whole world is against us changing these things. And that's the thing that I would say I've learned above all else is give them a loving space to, 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 to tell you about stuff. I think when it comes to abuse, there's lots of people who don't want to share their story and it might be because they don't feel safe. It's about being persistent and being persistently loving. But at a certain point, I chose to do prevention and not to follow up with my friend anymore because this, was the, this intervention was the line for me it was the line that I'm not going to, I, I don't have, if you can admit something's going on and there was a few weeks of back and forth after the intervention. Great. But after that, I can't keep taking hits to my life. You can't keep being the person that I hate and I'm not going to be the one to, to help you out of it. And, you know, to follow up on that, I did, there were other people that I tried to pass the baton to, but that's the tragic part about mental health is if we don't, have an accepting environment of it, if we don't have an accepting environment for people to get out, if we're yelling at everybody, if we're telling them they're wrong, when they, like, okay. they This group believes that women are controlling the world, which I feel like they'd make some different choices for themselves if they were controlling the world, but it, they believe that they're controlling the world and that they're genetically predisposed to use marriage to their advantage to get more kids and get money from you to take care of their kids. And that they're that they that that we what we need to do is create artificial wounds, and that if you're with a woman, she'll make you kill yourself because she's a black widow. All women are black widows. We don't need, as people not in that cult, to debate that. We all know that that's as insane as getting on a spaceship following a comet. We all know that that's that, and that somehow by drinking gin and strychnine for 10 days, that that will get you there. We all know that these are crazy ideas. So don't debate, you're debating someone who's sick. You're debating someone who needs help. And so to me, I think that we're better off looking at these scenarios and being like, is everything okay? And yet at the same time, we're not all responsible for it. We, we can't be, we're not gonna fit. And that's what I don't like about mental health awareness. Like, what am I gonna fix? If you see someone screaming on the street, what are you really gonna do about mental health awareness? almost nothing they're in a state they're in an episode they're having an attack there's not much they or you can do about it as a not medical professional we need to have an environment where someone says i want to go to therapy because i feel sick in my head that's the kind of stuff that we can do preventatively because i'm not a doctor and i've had all these moments in this documentary shooting it being like well what if we make i get went on this long two-hour speech one night and it's like what if we go what if we make this program and I do this and we have people and I, and I hire psychologists and we'll, we'll pay them this way. And, we'll, and then it was like two hours later, I was like, I am not the savior of the universe. This <laughs> is not gonna work. So you kind of have to realize that the way to help everybody is to understand it and to give the love that you can to the people that you can love. Otherwise, you're just gonna be you know, a martyr trying to fix everyone. You're better off trying to start a cult I don't know. I, yeah, you know, you better. you are, you really are better off trying to, to just manipulate everybody into being healthy. It's, it's an insane way to be. It's not how we do stuff.
0: Yeah. Hey man, that's a uh, really well said then. Like, you're right. Like uh, I've, I've never, I've never convinced somebody, especially on the internet that their ideas are wrong, and like this is the these are the right ideas, actually, sir. Uh, I'll, I hope you can uh, understand this and admit yeah, that, that you're, you're wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and
1: then the person goes, "Oh yeah, oh oh you're oh good," because they're not yelling about that. They're not. They're yelling about something else, and it's like, you know, it, 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 think about how many times. It's like how many times in a real conversation have you taken out aggression on someone and come back and been like, look, I was upset about this thing this morning. I was so rude to you. I shouldn't have said that. Yet we all pretend that that never happens on the internet. That is something that happens if you're a normal person every single day, you're like, ah, I was was hungry. I was, you know, tired. Oh, so-and-so came in right before you and he was a jerk, you know, but yet on the internet, I'm totally rational. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I've written is is irrational. It's, it's a crazy way to behave. I, I don't quite yeah. get it. We're bre- 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 pretending that it's the other way. And the victims of this stuff are not always okay either. We've had people yell at us. We've had people, we had a really great interaction where someone was really in favor of it. And then they started talking to us and they got triggered talking to me. And I was like, I hope you're okay like i know that this is a tough subject for you because it hits close to home and they were like yeah i was i was getting i was having a thing right now i was and when you talk to people out of these things their attitude towards life their self-effacing nature their ability to know what happened to them it's it's it is inspiring and i've gotten to inspiring and now i can't get rid of the 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 Douchey sounding ring I've now acquired for myself, like a Super Bowl
0: ring. I have to wear around the
1: it is inspiring though. I hate the word, but it is. It is inspiring. No, I, I, I think it
0: is. And like yeah. you're helping like people and like hey, I'm not like-
1: helping. I draw cartoons and make movies. I am not helping. Ha, ha, ha. Dude, that's the number one way I think video people get into cults. I'm not helping anyone. Ha, ha, I filmed ha, ha, something. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not a psychologist. I filmed something, I made a documentary. If you got out of something, you helped yourself. Not hey. a podcast.
0: Ha, 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 ha. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I honestly, the, what you said though, I think it is pretty helpful. Um, I, I have to say though, like, um, so like the way we're kind of like seeing how the, these things form, I, I think like how, like, I think a part of like uh people in the modern day, it's like a lot of us are very lonely and isolated, it seems. And like now with the lockdowns and shit, like, do you think like this, Is like uh, actually like contributing to people like going online and trying to find these communities online. And then all of a sudden they find these communities that pretty much just kind of tell them what they want to hear. Or, you know, they tell them the easiest freaking answers. And, uh, you know, and that kind of contributes to this shit. Well, um,
1: I'll speak on one thing from the point of view of an expert. Um, Rachel Bernstein, who's really been helpful in this project, is a cult therapist works with families and things like that, uh, that are, and people that are in these things, you know, famously worked with Nexium people. She has said there's, that her phone is off the hook every day. It's, it's, it's crazy. The lines are full, the appointments are full. Um, since the, the pandemic, it's made it worse. Um, but I'll comment to the other thing uh, from a journalist's standpoint. Are we lonelier in the modern era? No way. What we are is more aware and more able to start to say, hey, I feel lonely. And it is, in my opinion, awesome. If you are able, if you listen to me, I'll inspire someone right now. If you're able to say I'm lonely out loud, good for you. Because that is now something that we hear and we have empathy for and we care about. And that is something that will make you stronger. We are not more lonely things have not, man has been the same since the beginning of time. You know, we've all had the same orifices and bodies since since man started since not the beginning of I don't think there was like Ted as soon as like the Big Bang happened. But, you know, like we have been the same since since we were man and we have always been lonely. We've always felt lonely. We are getting now better at saying I'm lonely. And that that's awesome to me. So I can't speak societally because I'm not, you know, the king. Or whatever, and so, but I will say they are having more appointments during this lockdown. There are more people going to to, to these groups, but I think that, in, in my opinion, something that I just I don't know if it's a modern era thing or not. Um, uh, know it allness is at an all time high right now, in my opinion. I've always hated know it allness, and now with the ability to publish on your own, I now see more know it allness and mansplaining everywhere. It's it's insane to me. It's bonkers, you know no one is able to just say, I don't know, you know, it's crazy. It's bizarre to me. And it's one of the things I get by as a, as a journalist, you know, saying like, yeah, I don't know. Can you explain that to me? And people have these conversations with me sometimes and they reference people that they assume everyone knows. And I'm like, I don't know. That isn't, I don't really want to know who that is. Like, you know, like I think that that's something that's always bothered me. And that's always been around. The thing that I do think our project is saying is a problem in the modern times, which is different is commenting on videos. Um, it's a big part of the internet that no one talks about. Internet forums are a different beast entirely, and it is a new phenomenon. Um, MSN Messenger, uh, the company, when they had a forum in the 90s, shut it down because they said, we don't have the manpower to moderate these forums. And every single time we set up a free forum, it becomes a pedophilia ring every single time. Uh, a, you can look it up. Um, on top of that this idea that you are allowed to heckle and attach it to a performance is completely new to the broadcast era you're not allowed to do that on tv you're not allowed to do that on um a movie you're not allowed to imagine going to the movie and you were allowed to put up on the screen every time people watched it your comment about a certain scene it's unheard of On the internet, it's encouraged. And I think there's this big thing with YouTubers saying, oh, comment and talk to me and we want to have a community. And my answer would always be why. And that is a follow the money thing. They're doing that because some of their start, they start doing it because every single vlog and YouTube thing tells you get comments. Yeah. And that is not healthy. We've talked to someone in this documentary who said, I... They were commenting like crazy on the stream we were on. And I said, will you be in the movie? And he said, I feel this pressure to keep writing, uh, with with, with uh, to keep up with the stream. And I feel like I just have to comment and I don't really know what I'm saying. And we see these MGTOW forums starting in YouTube comments. And then people throwing their hands up and being like, well, what am I supposed to moderate all the comments of like horrible, threatening things towards women? Yes, you're supposed to moderate that. Yes, you're supposed to take that down. <laughs> but, we, but we don't. And- the big thing is with, like I said, I'm just a podcaster or a YouTuber. Another thing in the modern era is people being like, when someone says to them, I love your show, I love you, this is great, it's the greatest thing ever, there's no self-effacing on the part of YouTubers, and they encourage fanatical behavior, which is how cults are born, and it is how a lot more people get hurt. There's a lot more people that love you that are, like, going to kill you. Crimes of passion, abuse often comes from someone you know, and stalking are huge problems. And yet we kind of always take the easy to understand route of like, hate looks so bad, but but love is how a lot of these groups start giving love to people that aren't getting any. Giving love that is unrequited because you don't understand the social situation and it becomes stalking. Love can be just as harmful and is a bigger tool than hate to get people in. And I think that commenting is a thing I don't, that's why I like Rizzle. So we have a mini series out on Rizzle and you have to comment using video and Rizzle plus a lot of things I've learned in this documentary is like not anonymous commenting really changes the the style of conversation. It is more, slightly more courteous for the majority of the time. I think it's undeniable and Rizzle, you have to comment using a video. And so it's, it's like actually a great app to be on for these types of things because this commenting through text, this anonymous commenting through text, it just drives up cult-like behavior, drives up internet forum-like behavior. It's, it's a
0: problem. I, uh, yeah. Actually, I love that. Um, and you're right. Like the anonymous, uh, commenting. Yep. You're right. Like I've you've noticed that on anything when people actually have their real like profile picture out there, their comments are usually a lot more rational, <laughs> but, uh, all right, man, like, uh, We've done our time, man, and uh, this was a lot of fun, so interesting. Thanks for uh, letting Mm -hmm. us know about this. I got one more question for you. It's the name of the podcast, so I got to drop it down. So, uh, Mike Fallock, God, yay or nay?
1: Here's the problem. Here's the big problem I'm (laughs) having. Look, I waxed philosophically about an abusive cult for about, I don't know, seven hours now, it feels like. Do I make a joke? (laughs) Or do I somehow impact people by not make, this is the comedian's burden. (laughs) How many relationships end because nothing is serious. Okay. Here's the thing though. I think that people answer this question too seriously, too much. Now I'm going to, so then therefore I've chosen to break down the the question using a a comic's premise. Okay. God, yay or nay. Yay or nay is a way of voting. So, what what scenario would i be in to vote not in so either in a formal setting the senate i think uses yay or nay right parliament uses yay or nay i think like uh sororities and fraternities use yay or nay when they bring in members so the funny obviously the funniest one is if god is going to be in my fraternity never in a fraternity but i'm gonna okay so God is, is rushing for that week. And we, we hung out with God. We did like shooters with, with God. We, you know, we made God push like a big barrel naked across the quad. Ha, 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 ha. Honestly, honestly, if God's gonna be, ah. Oh, but God, God has to forgive me, right? And to some extent, I don't know if he does, which God is the problem voting him into the okay generally you don't want to piss off god gods anything like that to vote them but he won't know it's me they won't he she they won't know it won't know that i'm the one that but they'll know i didn't push for them i don't really want any god in my fraternity they don't seem like they're fun to party with it seems like a problem it seems like a lot of mythological stories involve god partying and it doesn't really end well (sighs) I'm gonna have to say, I'm not letting, if it's a secret vote, if it's truly a secret vote and I'm friends with God on Facebook and I can be like, I tried so hard, like you and I should hang out. I'm <laughs> gonna say, hey, like, oh, shit, he might be omniscient. Oh, they'll know I didn't vote. You have to. What choice do you have other than to vote a God or gods into your fraternity? If I can trick them, I guess, if tr- there's some gods that get tricked, they get, they get deceived and they are tricked. Uh, a lot of them get tricked, but that seems like a lot. I'm, I'm, okay. Look, here's what I do. I tell God that we increase the dues for the fraternity, and I might leave. I actually might leave the fraternity, so I'm not even like I'm not even sure if I'm going to vote. But I'm going to vote nay. That way, I can hang out with you. After I leave the fraternity. And so I'm going to say, nay, I don't let God into my frat.
0: <laughs> All right, well, man, <laughs> that's uh, the most unique answer I've ever had to that question. So I have get to say, it. I love that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, Mike, this was so much fun. Um, tell people where you want them to get a hold of you. Um, anything you want to promote, please do it now. Everything
1: is on Rizzle rizzle.tv slash you slash morning like in the
0: morning and rizzle Um, is like a new social media kind of app right
1: it's yeah it's a vertical format um app it's it's got a lot of like awesome creators on it it's it's one minute only it's it's just like a really cool place to actually get to like interact with other filmmakers and other ideas and things like that putting our stuff on there is has been like a boon to the project. People are open to ideas. It is a really nice community. I think your fans would like it. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe you've got comments on Facebook I didn't see. But <laughs> I think that it's it's a cool place to actually to actually be. It's a video it's a video platform thing. If you're a comedian or I'm sure there's a lot of comedians and podcasters that listen to this. It's just a it's a cool place to be because people will actually want to interact with you. If I could say it in terms of cults This is a place where you're not isolated and screaming and alone. There's people that will hang out and play with you on this app.
0: Nice. And me especially, tag me.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, God.
0: And uh, yeah, hashtag uh, cult.org. Is that your website? That's the website. Everything's on there. Yeah, sweet. And uh, yeah, there's like a lot of great... videos to watch on there if you're interested in this stuff like it, it was a lot of fun checking those out so uh, yeah mike thanks so much for coming on this was a lot of fun this was awesome all right that was another episode thanks for listening everybody please like and subscribe to the podcast give it a good rating that always helps and share it with like-minded people i really do appreciate that you can check me out at newer kid y on instagram Or check out my website, newerkidwai.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up. And all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often. Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay
1: or Nay.